0: Welcome to Breaking the Glass Slipper. I'm Charlotte Bond. We pride ourselves on bringing you interviews with some of the best female writers in the genre. However, our podcasts are fully inclusive, and we don't want to ignore the fact that, as well as female authors writing some fantastic female characters, there are also plenty of men writing memorable women too. So to kick off our new feature, Men on Women, I'm interviewing Tim Lebon. Hello, Tim.
1: Hi, Charlotte. Thanks for having me.
0: Oh, thank you for joining us. Now, please tell us a little bit about your books and how you got into writing.
1: Okay. Well, I I started writing when I was, uh, well, pretty much when I could pick up a pen when I was a kid. Um, I'd always enjoyed, my mum got me into reading, gave me a real love of books. And I always enjoyed reading stories and making stories. So I started writing when I was really young. Um, I read loads and loads of books. And I think the turning point was my mum gave me a copy of The Rats by James Herbert when I was about 11. It was probably... She was quite liberal-minded, and that got me into horror and sort of reading more adult books like Stephen King and Clive Barker. Um, And I got into writing horror and have never really looked back, to be honest. So I've written uh, something like 40 horror and dark fantasy novels and a couple of thrillers recently, uh, lots of tie-in books, and I've been making a living at it for about 10 or 11 years now.
0: I must admit, uh, I'm intrigued. Before your mum bought you the rats, what stories yeah. were you writing, if not horror?
1: Um I not sure not sure I was actually writing in my sort of pre teens, I think. Oh no, I was actually, yeah. I do remember. I remember writing a story when I was eight or nine. Um probably not very scientifically accurate, but it was about all the gas mains in the town exploding. So it was a proper disaster story. So I think, yeah, even in those times I was writing sort of sort of apocalyptic stuff. Um and in my, in my teens, I started, I did write a few war stories. Um, my, my grandfather and my father, who was much older than my mum, who died when I was young, both involved in the war. So I, I'm, I'm quite interested in World War Two. So in my teens, I was writing those sort of things. But then, yeah, the rats, the rats turned, turned on my love of horror. And it's, it's never really turned off, to be honest. That's
0: fantastic. Well, my mum was the other way. She wouldn't let me watch anything scary. And we used right. to get the Radio Times when I was a kid. And they had, I think it was Count Yorga, a film on at like, you know, midnight. And my mother was like, no, you're absolutely not watching it. So I sat down and wrote my own version of Count Yorga, which must be still around somewhere with terrible illustrations of vampires and castles. Um, <laughs> so I started out with horror very early. <laughs> Yeah. But I mean, some complain that fiction written by men doesn't have enough female protagonists or that they're only token characters, but that criticism can be in no way levelled at you because you put some great female characters front and centre of your novels. So did you have any particularly strong female role models growing up that may have inspired your heroines?
1: Well, yeah, I, I grew up with in a family of, you know, my my mum was a very strong character. Um, and she still inspires me to this day. She died 11 or 12 years ago now, but she's, you know, she's still always there. Uh, and my grandmother as well, very quite intimidating character, but very strong and loving. Um, and my mum, I had two aunties and I've got two, well, I had three sisters. So I grew up in a family of, of strong women and I was grew up surrounded by women. And it, it never, you know, it's it's they're not necessarily inspired my heroines, I don't think. But because I grew up with so many women who were very strong characters, it would never, it never occur to me not to write women into my books. I mean, I, I don't. Um, it's not a conscious decision. Right, I've got to include more female characters. It's just that if I'm writing a story, I want to tell good stories that are quite realistic and have realistic cast of characters. So there's always going to be, you know, always going to be good strong female characters as well as good strong male characters in my books. It's just not. I honestly don't think it's something I consciously think about. That that's that's because of my upbringing. I think it's because of um, the fact that, I suppose, um, I suppose my mum. After my grandmother died, she was sort of the matriarch. Uh, after she passed away, my mum was sort of the centre of the family. Really, um, she was the the one I went to for for help and advice. So that that, that probably inspired the way my writing went quite a bit
0: so I know a lot of writers say that the characters they create all have a little bit of themselves within the characters mm-hmm. um because that's what's obviously makes them so relatable that they've got human elements from the authors so do your female characters have elements from your life in them or do you steal some from your mum and your sister's life or how do you go about creating a good female character
1: um yeah that's a difficult one I'm not really analyzing what I do I find I do find quite difficult um I think um certainly some of this the strength definitely from my mum uh she was as I said she was an extremely extremely strong character she was a interesting character as well she was a nurse all her life and she won something we only found out soon so just before she died was she won the nurse of the Year award back in the sixties I think it was not something she ever told anyone but um you know she was a very interesting character um yeah, I'm. I'm not like I say. Analyzing where all my character traits come from is quite difficult. I can identify. Um, I mean, certainly some of my male characters. Uh, the main guy in the hunt. Um, the book that you, um, I think you read the hunt if you with uh, I have. Yeah, yeah. I mean, the main character in there, Chris. I can identify a lot with him because that's what he go, what he goes through is inspired by. Uh, my love of endurance sport, like uh, Ironman and marathons, which I do a lot of. Um, I think plumbing into the depths of my past and my interaction with various people, you, you do you do pull out certain things. And I think a writer's always working. You're always picking out aspects of other people's characters, friends, and relations, and listening in on conversations. <laughs> there's probably, there's probably Bits of conversations that I've latched onto from decades before that find their way into my books. But consciously identifying where these inspirations come from, I, I find quite difficult. And analyzing it, I find a bit troublesome sometimes.
0: <laughs> so. I distinctly mentioned the heroines above, um, because you also have plenty of strong and competent female villains, like Vay in The Hunt, or uh, the particularly scary Mary Stone in Relics. Uh, And I like how in Relics it starts off with Frederick Malloy being the main gangster bad guy, and while he continues to be unpleasant throughout, we're then introduced to Mary Stone, who makes Malloy look like Father Christmas. So I know you said you don't analyse a lot, but did you have any particular female villains in mind from maybe books or TV that inspired writing your own villains and making, sorry, villainesses, I suppose? and making them particularly unpleasant?
1: Um, I think you've... uh, I I do have lots of male villains in my books. Um, I think you've picked out two of the really unpleasant female villains I've got. I mean, Vay is... There's very few redeeming characteristics to her. But but then she's part of a big organisation for anyone who's not read The Hunt. It's an organisation called The Trail and they kidnap people and... um, kidnap families and make make people part of a human hunt. So they say, if you escape this hunt, your family die. If you're captured and killed by these hunters, we'll release your family. <laughs> so it's a terrible sort of dilemma, but Vay they, is just part of the wider group. I, um, and she's one of the awful bad guys, but it suited making her female because, um, making her particular character female, because it played off nicely against the kidnapped mother and two daughters. So Chris, the character I just mentioned, he's he's the one being hunted. His wife and two daughters have been kidnapped. So I, I liked having the idea that the person who was sort of in charge of keeping them out of the way, as it were, of the hunt for a while, the bad guy being, uh, being a female. So I think that worked pretty well. Um
0: well, I particularly like that it balanced nicely with Rose. So as you say, for people who haven't read The Hunt, Chris comes along with Rose, who's an escapee of a previous hunt. Um, mm-hmm. And I quite like the way you managed to balance Rose and Bay off against each other. That was that was really nice. I, I thought there was there was something more vicious against two women, who, as we all know, can be quite bitchy in the schoolyard and things, compared to maybe a, a woman and a man, which would have been a very different dynamic. I really like the yeah. way you had two girls against each other. I mean what do you think about the fact that so many female villains use their sexuality as a weapon because it's very noticeable in your books that your female villains are very unsexy and often more brutal than their male counterparts
1: yeah, but I, I think I mean a lot of my male characters are pretty brutal as well there's there may be books you haven't read I mean there's uh, a book like face and I wrote a fantasy series called Dusk and Dawn and there there were there's an organization of red monks exclusively male and they're the most you know Brutal, abusive people you could imagine. Um, so again, <laughs> I'm not sure it's something I've consciously done. Um, as for why why my why people like Vay and Mary Rock don't use their sexuality as such, I'm not quite sure why that is. I think a lot of that comes from Hollywood. Um, like you get the, but then you consider people like um, Nurse Ratchet from uh, Cuckoo's Nest. I think she's she's one of my sort of favourite female villains and she's not sexualised at all and even, even Cersei, Cersei Lannister from Game of Thrones and I know I'm talking about TV as opposed to, as well as books here but um, she's one of my favourite villains of all time I think and she is utterly cold and ruthless and brutal. I don't think there's a nasty character in Game of Thrones who's worse than her but Although she's a passionate woman and and she's got her, you know, um, lovers and whatever, she doesn't use, I don't think she uses her sexuality at all. Um, So I I don't think, I don't think my my female villains do as such.
0: Excellent. I mean, your novels always have a a very strong family aspect as well as lots of blood blood and gore, Um, particularly the silence and the hunt. So is family a very important part of your life then, if it's figures so strongly in some of your books?
1: Yeah, it really is. It, it's uh, My writing changed direction and changed scope drastically when I became a dad, um, which was about 19 years ago now. So before then, I think I was I was writing horror stories, um, a lot of them are sort of uh, based around twisting the tail ideas. And then your, your world just opens up, the whole scope of your world opens up and you become a father. So for me, um, family is really important. And I, I find... Books like *The Hunt* uh, and *The Silence*, um, and other other uh, *Everlasting* and *Berserk*, other novels I've written, uh, I, I find it really, I can get my ideas over really powerfully with family involved. So, if a family's in peril in the book, for me, that's the greatest horror you can have. Some of my books do have monsters in them, uh, traditional monsters or, or you know monsters I make up on my own, but family in peril is, is always the greatest threat for me. Certainly in The Hunt, I think. Probably The Hunt more than anything. I, it was a really soul-shattering book to write in many ways. Uh, you mentioned Rose, the character in The Hunt, and she's just suffered terribly at the hands of this organization. And she's sort of one of my favorite anti-heroes, actually, Rose. She became, when I started writing The Hunt, she was almost an incidental character. But as soon as I started writing her, she became Essentially, the main character of the book, even though it's Chris who's been hunted, she's the one who's using his hunt to get revenge on on the bad guys who murdered her family, slaughtered her family. So she um, she's one of my favorite characters, actually, that I've I've ever written a proper proper antihero because she's almost as brutal as the people she's fighting, but she's doing it for a a, 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 um, relatable cause, I think.
0: Yeah, I mean it's interesting because Chris and Rose have similar but also very different motivations. So Chris is desperately trying to keep his, um, trying to get his family back. Rose yeah. appreciates that she never can get her family back, and so he's got different but still family-related motivations. And then we were yeah. talking about the silence, which is all about keeping your family together. So there's, you know, three different aspects of, of family life all woven into two novels.
1: Yeah, yeah, and I mean family's hugely important to me, and and the idea of. Um, you know, you sometimes have these conversations with people. I don't know if this is something even for interview, but, you know, could you ever kill somebody or hurt somebody? And I say, if anyone did anything to my family, yes, I think I could. Um, and I suppose I suppose, it's that idea that I explore more in the hunt with Rose and certainly in the silence. Um, you know, the, the family's in terrible, terrible danger there. And it's all about what, what lengths you'd go to to protect family.
0: Absolutely. And I mean in, in the hunt you've obviously got Rose who has suffered and is living true to that that um, that question yeah. you just mentioned and, and Tim yeah. who finds himself faced with that question. So and speaking as a parent, it is again, like you say, people sort of say to you when, when you have kids, would you do anything for them? I'm like, Yes, absolutely. So I think you're you know, you've got some horror that's really got some some strong family vibes in there that are gonna appeal to sort of the older generation.
1: And it's yeah. And it's the sort of stuff that I like writing. Maybe it's because I'm as I, you know, when I started writing in my early 20s, I didn't have any concept of um, sense of sort of responsibility that you have having a family. Now I'm in my later 40s. It's more the stuff I'm interested in writing. about, And it makes it I think it makes writing much more relatable as well.
0: I mean, we've talked about family having a, a very strong impact, but uh, friends are obviously a very important part of your life as well, because I've noticed plenty of Easter egg names within your novels, such as minor <laughs> characters named Pimbra and Volk. Um, yeah. Is there any particular link between these characters and the real-life counterparts, or did you just pick a character at random and go, I'm named name that one after Sarah?
1: Yeah, it's usually at random, to be honest. Um, uh, and the main reason for that, I mean, I'm good friends with Sarah and Steve Volk, and I've got lots of good friends in the writing community. Um, it's a bit of fun. Putting the name in your novel but also I, I sometimes find it really hard coming up with character names um i wrote a series of books recently called the rage war which were the tie-in novels the alien and predator novels it was a trilogy and they were a big scope space uh space war thing um it, featuring the you know the alien and predator characters and i had a big cast of characters and lots of people who needed to die in the books because I, it was it was about a big war. So I, I went on Facebook and said to my followers, uh, "Does anyone fancy getting their face chewed off by an alien or a predator?" And I had hundreds and hundreds of people. Saying, <laughs> so if you read, if anyone reads the Rage War books, you'll probably recognise lots of names from from my Facebook followers.
0: Excellent! Uh, I should have to check those out and have a look. You could have like a bingo sheet, couldn't you?
1: Yeah, it was almost like that. It was uh, I had so many people volunteering. I had to take the. <laughs> First come, first killed, basically. So, but uh, a couple, uh, yeah, even a few of those survived. Not too many, but that, you know, using friends' names, it's it's always it's always a, a little bit of fun. But no characters are, you know, what does it say? At the beginning of a book, not based on any character, alive or dead. Honestly,
0: have you ever had any of your friends come back and go, "Oh, that was a brilliant way to die. I was so impressed," or "Oh no, how could you kill me like that?"
1: Oh yeah, it's great. The the the, the, gorier the better a lot of the time. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, with so many women in your novels, obviously plenty of them are going to survive um, and as a horror fictionado um you'll be aware of the last girl trope. so I mean, what do you think of that how do you play with that trope in your books
1: well firstly I, I think that's I think that's faded over the years certainly I grew up in the eighties with all the slasher picks, and uh, you could pretty much relate what was going to happen um who was going to survive, who was going to kill the bad guy because it's in those i think in those films it was generally. You know, they, these were the movies where uh, a bunch of teenagers go off into the woods, have sex with each other and die horribly. And it was always, always the last girl who defeated the bad guy it was usually the girl who wouldn't have sex with anyone. And she was the clean cut one. I think that's faded over the years and changed and people are trying to turn, turn the trope around a little bit. Um, not sure how I deal with it in my books. Really, I don't, I honestly don't really think about it. Um well, I think there was. Uh, I did a novelization of a horror film called *Cabin in the Woods*, uh, which was a film designed to challenge all the horror tropes. Really, it was. It was a.
0: It was big, an excellent film. It was really good.
1: I really enjoyed it. I really enjoyed it. But at the end of that film, you were expecting. You knew which girl you were expecting to survive and save the day, but she, you know, she didn't save the day at all. It was a really good turnaround.
0: Yes, that was um, that took an awful lot of horror tropes as well, and uh, and kind of threw them into it, the mix. And yeah, I love the way it had a reason for the tropes as well. That was quite entertaining.
1: Yeah, it was really good. I, as I say, I did the novelisation of it, and because I think the film was all caught up in the um, the big studio debacle, MGM, wasn't it? I think. Um, so I I had the script, and I'd written the novel almost two years before the thing came out. So I'd signed a non-disclosure agreement. So I knew what the end was going to be, what it was all about, and I wasn't allowed to say anything to anyone. So that was quite a challenge.
0: (laughs) So just going back to the hunt a little bit and talking about sort of tropes. If I was being cynical then I would say that there were writers out there who would naturally put the protagonist the other way around, so um, Chris being the hardened veteran and Rose being... Sorry. Yes, Chris being the hardened veteran and Rose being the inexperienced one driven by her family because a lot of uh, writers when dealing with female characters tend to sort of have their family as a you know saving their family as a motivation but obviously you've got it the other way around so Chris is the inexperienced one suddenly finding himself in the middle of all this uh, and he's driven to save his family and Rose is the one who's already lost it and has is a hardened veteran and whatever so yeah. I mean did you start out with having them that way around you said Rose was an incidental character how did she develop into the character she is now compared to what she was when you first started
1: well um for, first of all with Chris as I said he 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 was always going to be the victim he was always going to be the hunted because I do. um, I know what it's like running over mountains, and I'm I'm heavily into endurance sport, which was the whole inspiration for the novel. It was how can I turn around what I enjoy doing and you know write about what you know—the classic, classic idea. So he was always going to be the victim. Rose, and and to to begin with, it was just it was a hunt novel. It was Chris being hunted by the bad guys, and then I had this idea of um, a character coming in who'd been through the hunt and lost. Uh, lost her family and helped, helped Chris and she developed really quickly into, into um, a sort of joint main character. I think her and Chris probably take sort of joint top billing, I guess, in that book. Um, and that was, that was one of the cases. It doesn't happen very often to me. Other other writers say it does, but of a character taking over, she Rose came on the scene and she, she quickly became almost the sort of dominant steering force of the book. Um, and it, it, for me, it, it rounded the book out really nicely. Um, I think without Rose, it would, have been, it would have been a straight Hunt thriller. But with Rose, she makes it much more complex and she steers the action as opposed to letting the action just steer itself. So um, that was just a really nice case of a character appearing and, and totally taking over. And I suppose, you know, going back to inspirations, Rose, my mum's mom, my middle name was Rosemary. And my daughter's middle name is Rose. She's Eleanor Rose. So I think that's probably where I got the name from there. I was looking for a strong name, you know, based on a strong character. So that was my mum kicking ass, I suppose, <laughs> in that book.
0: Oh, have you uh, let your daughter read The the Hunt then? Because if she's got a character named after
1: her. Uh, she hasn't read it. No, she, I mean, she could if she wanted. I do try and edge her towards my books. I think, um, yeah, my son's read it. My, my, my son reads more of my books than my daughter, actually. He's read The Hunt and uh, The Silence. So, yeah. And my wife. My wife's read them all as well.
0: So do you... Obviously, we all get good and bad reviews, and you sort of look at a one-star view. Some of them are funny. Some of them are te- devastating. What do you yeah. do when you see a member of your family reading one of your books, particularly if it's got a character named after your family? Do you kind of sit there and keep glancing at them instead of watching the TV, or are you quite chilled about it?
1: Um, I'm quite. I'm quite chilled. My wife... Um, my wife isn't a massive reader but when she picks up one of my books or when she picks up a book and enjoys it she'll read it in 24 hours and she's done that to both of my two or three of my recent books which is really gratifying um we were on a family holiday just a couple of weeks ago in barcelona with probably 16 17 family members and it was a lazy around a in lovely villa lazy week around the pool it was really nice and two or three of them were reading one of my books and that was a Someone Kindle, so it's not quite so oh, what they're reading. But that, that that was a little bit odd. I walk, <laughs> glance down, and see see the expression on their face, or hope they haven't fallen asleep while reading it.
0: You're like, but I've come on holiday to get away from it all.
1: I know, I know. It is, it is nice. Um, one of my big dreams is to get on a plane and see a stranger reading one of my books. That's not happened yet, but uh who knows? Maybe one day.
0: Like you say, with Kindle, it's very difficult. You'd have to check them all as you went down.
1: Yeah. What are you reading? What are you reading? Yeah, just walking down the aisle of a plane asking everyone what they're reading. That would just look a bit odd.
0: Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. Are you reading my book by any chance?
1: (laughs) Yeah, I I have seen somebody buying a book of mine in a shop and I almost went up to them but that would have just been really odd and they'd probably call security. (laughs) Or put the book back on the shelf.
0: Oh, oh, that would have been worse, wouldn't it? If you, yeah, Yeah. if you approach someone and talk to them and they (laughs) surreptitiously put it back. (sighs) Uh, My favourite of your books was definitely The Silence, and the one thing that really attracted me to it was one of the main female protagonists is actually deaf, and it's a crucial aspect of the story, and it reads very well, but how hard was it to write the thoughts and uh, speech or non-speech of of a deaf character compared to characters who have all five senses in play?
1: Um, Yeah, that was really hard, Uh, but I, I, I do like challenging myself and i came up with the concept the sort of cold concept of the book is a world under threat by creatures who hunt purely by sand so i thought what well, it would be interesting if somebody was used to living in a silent world so um that's where ali the deaf character came in um and again in that book it's very family orientated when i wrote the book i think i wrote it four years ago so ali's ali's 14 and her brother uh, is 10 and they were the age of my kids at the time so really, I was using. there was the the sort of relationship dynamic between the two kids is very similar to how it is, but how it was between my kids four years ago. So, you know, taking the piss out of each other, and the boy ducking into Ali's room, throwing things at her, and that was that was my my son and daughter. Um, but obviously, the writing from a perspective of a deaf character, I had to think about that quite a lot. And first of all. I thought I I can't do it from the viewpoint of somebody who's been deaf since birth because that's too much of a, uh, too much of a sort of dynamic change in how you perceive the world. If you've never heard anything, how can you, uh, how can I write from a point of view of somebody who's never heard anything? So she became a character who lost her hearing through an accident. So she was used to hearing words. She could speak because she had, she had language. Um, But I researched, I researched as much as I could so I researched the sign language aspect of it and found quite interestingly that um families of deaf people develop their own sort of dialect of sign language which is quite interesting so so you can go to a sign language school and learn basic sign language but um uh but characters you know um people develop their own their own sign language which which worked well in the book actually because it's how a lot of the time it's how they communicate when they um not only when they're when they um, have to be quiet because the the monsters are around, but um, if they're trying to talk secretly to each other with other people who may potentially know sign language, and, and so you never know how well you've done a character like that. Really, I was I was quite happy. I was really happy with how the book turned out and the whole family dynamic. I was I was really pleased with. Um, but then my editor um, at Titan revealed after she'd read the book that she she was partially deaf until the age of four or five due to ear problems and she said it read great so i was really really pleased with that and it it seems to have the research in this case seems to have uh paid off
0: fantastic i mean the book itself is due to be made into a movie and i know it's only in the early stages but can you tell us anything about that yet
1: yeah that's very exciting it's looking like um i think shooting starts in september from what i understand um yeah, that's really exciting. Uh, it's a really good team, really good creative team. Uh, Stanley Tucci is starring in there and Ali is, um, Shannon, um, and Shipka. Uh, she was in Mad Men. The director is a guy called John Leonetti, who's direct. He, he was, a uh, he's been a director of photography for decades, but he's made a few films recently. He made, uh, Annabelle, a ho- recent horror film that did, did really well. Uh, so yeah, it's really exciting. It it's looking 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 really good. So I'm um, keeping my fingers crossed on that one.
0: Are I, you creative consultants on it or anything? Or are you just gonna hand it over to them and see what they do?
1: It's been no, I'm I uh, I didn't have anything to do didn't have much to do with the writing of the script. I did give feedback. I mean, they it like I say, it's a. it's quite an inclusive experience, this one. I, I had a movie made a couple of years ago actually, called Pay the Ghost from a short story of mine had Nicolas Cage in it, which was quite exciting, but it was not an inclusive process at all. I didn't even get to go on set or anything. And, you know, the the chance of having a second movie made is almost unheard of. I know I'm. I'm it's, it's very exciting. I, I know so many writers and very few have had, you know, had movies made of their work. So um, because this team's very, the producers are really good and uh, they, they've been inclusive and, and asked me for feedback on the script and the directors emailed me a couple of times asking me for, comments on certain parts of the script so it's really it's really nice it's really exciting and I keep my fingers crossed it all takes off okay I've got every confidence the script's really really good um I don't know how much I can say about it actually but it's I I read the first draft of the script and I was really delighted with how how they adapted the book sometimes you hear stories of writers giving their books away to Hollywood and they just disown it because it's they're not happy with what's been done but I'm I'm really happy with, with what's been done with the silence Perfect. and I can't wait to see it on screen. When's it due out? Uh, I have no idea to be honest. Uh, if, if they start shooting in September, I'm, I'm hoping it'll be next year. I, uh, it could be a great Halloween film for next year. I reckon
0: it would be, I think it would be on a lot of people's list to go and see that.
1: Yeah. I hope so.
0: <laughs> Fantastic. Well, thank you for talking to us. Just one last question. Yeah. Obviously you do, like say, thrillers and horror and everything. So what is it in particular that frightens you as a, a writer of horror?
1: Yeah, we've talked about that. Family in peril, definitely.
0: Definitely that one. You don't have any monsters that you carry through from terror in your childhood?
1: No, not really. I mean, uh, I, think all, I think all the monsters you read about in books, are, the, the scary thing about them is how they affect people and how you know sometimes the real monsters are, aren't the monsters themselves, they're the people. Um, you know that's part of what I talk about in the silence as well. It's the silence is about a world overrun by monsters who hand, who's home in on sound and tear you to pieces and kill you. But a lot of the challenge in the book is getting past um, the, the people who who sort of degenerate in a world like that, similar to The Walking Dead. You know, I'm a fan of The Walking Dead, but The Walking Dead aren't the zombies; they're the people. Uh, you know the bad guys in the walking dead are people not not the zombies they're almost incidental Absolutely. so for me yeah family in peril and unfairness frightens me um you know unfairness against your family so uh yeah even though i'm a horror writer i I'm, i don't i don't go to bed nightmaring about vampires or anything really
0: well, I can tell you that your reverend from The Silence gave me a few bad dreams because he's just terrifying. But again, I suppose that's the idea of coming to take your children away.
1: Yeah, he's a nasty dude. Yeah, mm-hmm. I'd like to see what they do with him in the film.
0: Fantastic. Yeah. Well, thank you very much for speaking to us, Tim.
1: It's been a pleasure. Thanks, Charlotte.
0: Thank you. I'm Charlotte Bond. This is Breaking the Glass Slipper, and we'll see you again soon for another episode.